your sense of delight and precipitation will depend on your context. I was reminded of that this past Friday when uh, Ingrid and I met with Patty Dar. She is a longtime member of Stanwich, and she's lived in India with her family for nine years. When she walked into my study down the way, I said something about how I'm tired of winter and snow. And she said, oh, my kids, when they got back from India, were delighted that it was snowing. It reminded me of our attitude towards rain in Mali. Just to remind you, Mali is landlocked. The northern part is on the Sahara Desert. When we lived there, the desert encroached upon the arid land or the, uh, air, um, the plantable lands by 20 kilometers a year. Uh, we had three seasons in Mali, hot season, hotter season, and hottest season. <laughs> and in that context, rain was everything. It changed your view of rain and what was coming. It meant flourishing. I remember a time when we were working with our language informant. We were doing what's called barefoot language learning. We would go to our informant, and the informant would teach us a few phrases, and then we'd go around our neighborhood and repeat them a hundred times. Hi, I'm Chuck. I'm learning Bambada. Bye. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chuck. I'm learning Bambada. And uh, we were there in the middle of the hottest season when we started, and I said to our language informant, now, if it's nice tomorrow, we're not going to meet. Don't come to our house because we're gonna, I'm going to take my family to the pool and just have a, a day of relief. Next day, it was sunny and bright, and so I took my family to the pool. The following day, my langu our language informant showed up and said, where were you yesterday? And I said, I told you, if it's nice, we wouldn't be here. And he said, but it wasn't raining. <laughs> okay, think about all of this. And the first time that after three and a half years of Mali, we went back to France and were visiting the language school where we had done our study. Missionaries had come there from around the world, Belgium, England, Australia, America. We were learning French to go out to the Francophone countries. After being in Mali where it's so brown, the green was wonderful to us. But I can remember standing in the Centre Missionnaire with other missionaries who'd heard about us and our kids were playing with their kids out in the parking lot, and all of a sudden it started to rain. All of their kids came running inside because they thought they were going to melt. Our kids were running under the rain, letting the rain hit their face because that's what all of their Malian friends did. Now, we didn't think anything about it because that was our world. We met one of these missionaries two years later after they had gone to Mali, and they said, you know, when we met you, we thought your kids were crazy. Uh, we'd heard all these wonderful stories about your family, but when we saw them running around under the rain, we thought they went to Africa and lost their minds. See, it was all about your attitude to the precipitation. Well, you say, why am I telling all of these stories? This is a precipitation song. In all likelihood, this is the psalm they would have sung in the temple after the first rains came. Now, the first rains didn't mean anything. They were a promise of maybe something to come. Those of you who've lived in arid context know that the first rain can deceive you. But the people would gather together, and I would remind you in Palestine, the people were dependent on God's action for their crops and their flourishing. There was no cultivation system like you have today, irrigation system. God was the irrigation system. And all the fruitfulness was seen as coming from God. And rain 
promised that His bounty would come. And so this is an anticipatory psalm. This is a perfect psalm to go into 2018 because it will mark how we can face 2018 regardless of what comes our way. If we will choose to respond as the people would be responding in this psalm, it will change everything about our experience in 2018. Are you ready to have a good year in 2018? Okay, listen up. Starts this way, verse 1. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. This is a praise psalm. Praise is due your names. Three things. To you are vows, to you is praise, and to you is prayer. Uh, Probably could finish the psalm right here, and we have everything for a fruitful life. If we will praise, pray, and make vows to God we'll be in pretty good shape. Now, praise is do your name. Uh, this kind of links into our word for worship. We worship all week long, but Sunday is our praise worship. and It comes from the old English, worship. What we do, this is going to be a hard word, what we do with our Sundays is a declaration of the worth we have of God. What we do Monday through Saturday and how we love and work is a statement of our worth of God. But the command of the Lord in Scripture is, gather in my sanctuary and bring praise. And the psalmist says it right here, because the Lord is due praise. If there is not a high value in my life to gather with the people of God to praise there may be a question whether I really know the worth of my God. Holy Spirit, do with what you want with that word. Lord, we are in dangerous times. We've put other things of greater worth than you. Lord, as we sang this morning, or Anne sang so well for us, we have not been faithful. And we wonder where the bounty has gone. Praise is due your name, O Lord. Make us people that find their greatest worth in you. And so the psalmist says, praises do your name. And unravels in three sections in this psalm that God is a God of grace, verses 1 through 4. He will atone for your transgressions. He's the God of might, verses 5 through 8. His strength deserves awe because of the things that he does in this earth, these big pictures of his movement. But verses 9 through 13 declare that he is the God of plenty. And I wanted to just land on this one verse this morning because it moves my soul. It moves it. Verse 11, you crown the year with your bounty, your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. I love this verse. You crown the year with your bounty. God has been crowning this year, 2007, with His bounty in our lives, hasn't He? 
Aren't we a blessed people? You scared me this morning. We only planned for about 75 people, so we only did two communion sets. (laughs) Something's wrong with this picture. God is pouring His bounty into us. It's a spiritual richness. People that come here from other places go, there's something here. It's not in the forms, it's not in the programs, it's not in our entertainment. We're not giving you the best model. It's rooted in the fact that Jesus is lifted up here. And we're experiencing the bounty of the Lord. And the psalmist says the Lord has crowned this past year with bounty, but he's actually looking to the next year saying it's going to be even better from his wagon tracks are going to come abundance. Now, I love the Hebrew here. It says, from his wagon tracks is coming dripping fatness. (laughs) Pastor Nathan reminded us in November how we disdain fat in this culture, but in that culture, fat was good. Molly, it was good to get the fat. When I would visit villages, they would pass all the best parts of the meat to me, the kidneys and the intestines and the heart. And the big globs of fat because you were the honored person. We'd come home from vacation and they'd look at you and go, Oh, it must have been a good vacation. You look so fat. (laughs) Oh, we've screwed the world up in America. The Lord's wagon tracks are dripping with his fatness. I call this chocolate-covered bacon. Do you see it? Please get into the context of this psalm. The people that are singing it have not yet seen the bounty of the Lord. They're really counting on his character from the past. They're counting on what they've seen of him. And they're saying, irregardless, it may stop raining, but God is going to crown this next year in the same way that he crowned this year with his glory, and there's going to be bounty coming from his wagon tracks. Woo! So this is the year of God's bounty for Stanwich Church. Now, folks, I want to promise you a bounty that's better than any. I'm not talking simply about financial prosperity. If that comes, praise the Lord. I'm not talking about physical health. That's good, and if you get that, that's great. I'm not talking about other fringes in life that are part of God's bounty. I'm glad I get those things. I've lived in the six poorest world for a long time, and I've now lived longer in the wealthiest city of more than 50,000 people in the world. I like the extra bounty that's here. I have no problem with that. But there's a bounty the Lord wants to give us that's greater than any of the physical and temporal bounty. It is a bounty of the joy of the Lord that will mean that no matter what comes our way, we will be so full of that glory that we'll just stand and give praise to his name. That's his word for us. That's what he has for us, because he is the God who was rich and became poor so that we could become rich. What does that scripture mean except the fullness of Christ, that we would experience all the wonder of God? I'm so charged for our next preaching sermon series, I could barely get through this one. We're starting Philippians next week, and the whole message of the book of Philippians is, there is joy when you are rooted in Christ. And you're going to hear it from someone who wrote from prison. So joy is a lot different than happiness. 
Happiness will deceive you at some point, but there's a joy in the bounty of the Lord that will make your life rich. And people will look at you and say, oh, where does this person get this stuff? I want to know the reason for the hope that's within them. And it will change our community forever. Do you know it's Jesus' desire that you have joy? That great passage in John, I promised this was going to be a short sermon, but sorry, I'm just getting a hand on myself now. I can't wait till next week. We're coming into Philippians. But Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, talked about he was the vine and we were the branches. We could do nothing without him, but in him we could do everything. He says things like, it's to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit. You remember that passage? Then he says this at the end of it. I have told you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That's Jesus speaking to us, his disciples. I told you these things so that my joy... And the difference between joy and happiness is this very root of thing. Jesus himself, the book of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. It's not about making all my circumstances good. It's about being so filled with Jesus Christ that no matter what comes my way, joy comes spilling out of me. That can only be secured in a deep relationship with him. When the things that give God joy are the things that give me joy. I'm in alignment with what he's doing in heaven. When does Scripture say that heaven rejoices? Every time a lost one comes back into relationship. When my passions become to be so filled with the presence of Jesus that his joy takes over my life, that it shapes everything that I do, that all I start to look forward to is not the temporal gains that I get, but I begin to look for the fact that people are coming back into relationship to the Father through Jesus Christ. I am now worshiping according to the beat of heaven. Because heaven rejoices every time someone comes back into relationship with God. God is waiting to pour His bounty on us. We are so well situated for it. Do you understand how well situated? But it begins by giving him the praise due his name and allowing Jesus to have first place in our lives. Here's the challenge. That if you and I leave this place this morning trying in our hardest to do all the things that will bring joy into our life, we will be miserable and disappointed people throughout the whole year. And I only say this of you because I know it of myself. I do not have the ability to muster the joy that's necessary for the times in which we are in. But the promise of Jesus is that He would give us His Holy Spirit who would so fill us with His fruit and the fruitfulness of joy that would change everything about our view of ourselves and it would change everything out on our community. There's one short video that captures this so well. This is how you make the change from trying to do it on yourself and allowing God to do it through us. I chose this video for the children because I wanted them to see it. You parents don't have to look, but I think there's something for you to learn here as well. 
The Big Red Tractor and the Little Village. Once upon a time, in a little field, in a happy little village, lived a big red tractor. Every morning during plowing season, the village people, no, not those village people, would come out and start the red tractor. Everyone loved the tractor and the powerful noises it would make. They would cheer for the big red tractor because he would help them through plowing season. The people worked together to move the tractor. Half of the villagers would push from behind, while the other half would pull. They had been doing it this way for many generations. Some days they moved the tractor 10 feet. Some days they moved it 20. They did this for three whole months every year. Because of their hard work, the villagers always managed to plow the field, just in time to plant and just before the rainy season. The rains would come to water the field, then the sun would come out to make the crops grow, and then the people would come out and harvest all the new crops. It was just enough food to feed the entire village. One day, Farmer Dave was cleaning out his attic. To his surprise, he found an old book tucked beneath his great-grandpa's belongings. It was the owner's manual to the big red tractor. This book told about how the tractor was made and all the great things it could do. Farmer Dave studied the book all night. He was shocked by what he was reading. According to the book, if the big red tractor was running properly, it could plow the whole field in just one day. Early the next morning, Farmer Dave gathered the villagers to tell them the good news. But nobody believed him. There's no way that tractor can move on its own, some said. One lady said, it sounds like you're reading a fairy tale. The people laughed at him. This made Farmer Dave very sad. This didn't stop Farmer Dave from believing what he read. Every night, while the other villagers were asleep, Farmer Dave spent time repairing the big red tractor. One night, Farmer Dave fixed the tractor completely. He jumped on the tractor and had so much fun driving it, he ended up plowing the whole field in one night. The next morning, the villagers woke up and were in shock. The whole field had been plowed. It's a miracle, one man said. Maybe aliens came down, said an old woman. No, look over there, a little boy shouted. It was Farmer Dave sleeping on the tractor. It was then that people shouted, he was right, the tractor book is true. The villagers ended up plowing many fields that year and harvesting way more food than they could ever eat. They had so many leftover boxes of food that they began taking the boxes to other villages where food was scarce. The big red tractor and his little village soon became famous throughout the land. They became known as the most generous and life-giving people in the whole wide world. Yeah. So what's my so what this morning? It's this. We're not just an institution here. We're a living organism that's been created for the glory of God. And if we will allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, not only will the goodness that we are experiencing in this place become our bounty and our inheritance, 
it will become for the people that live around us and all the communities around us. So let's be people that live according to the book and live filled with the Holy Spirit. This morning, our flow is going to be a little bit different. Pastor David and I are going to be on each side of the communion table, and we're going to have oil, and we're going to anoint you. And our blessing is simply going to be this, the bounty of the Lord. As you take communion, as you receive that blessing, allow God to tell you what that bounty means. And next year, once again, the last Sunday in December, we will celebrate the Lord crowns the year with His glory. Out of His wagon tracks comes abundance. Amen.